Well, uh, blessed people, uh, this is a call to repentance. This is a call to repentance. The Lord is calling the nations to repentance. That they should turn away from sin and receive Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. That they may walk in the salvation of the Lord. Because time is over now. There are a lot of events happening on the earth. There is a nuclear war that is coming whereby Russia will hit France. Russia is going to strike France. And then within a few seconds, another nuclear bomb will strike the UK. And then another will strike Washington. And you know when that happens, then it's an all-out nuclear war. It's a ping-pong back and forth to the total destruction of the earth. And so the Lord is encouraging you to start storing up your treasures into heaven, the treasures of righteousness and holiness. And today, in this call for repentance, I want also to highlight on the events that are taking place in Israel. You remember the landmark prophecy of the year 2004, 2nd of April, when... Uh, I stood, the Lord took me to stand before Jehovah Yahweh, before the counsel of the Lord, before the throne of God himself, Jehovah Yahweh, my friend. And when I stood before his throne, the tremendous glory covered the throne, but he made me know that he was paying particular attention to the conversation I was about to have with John the Baptist. And then after that, he sent John the Baptist from the glory of the throne, and he came and spoke with me about the glorious coming of the Messiah. So this is the entire mission statement that we have when John the Baptist said, go tell the four ends of the earth that the glorious Lamb of God who died for the sin of the world is coming back. So go prepare the nations. So that is the commissioning statement, blessed people, that set us off. That's why we work. Even now I can tell you the team that is doing our broadcast team here that's preparing our program to Katie and Home has been working since yesterday about 9 o'clock this time until now and they are looking forward to working even late probably by the time they finish exporting it to be 1 o'clock or maybe 1 or 2 and then by the time they upload it in KTN maybe it will be 8 p.m. We are talking about people working probably 36 to 42 hours the, the purpose of that is this commissioning statement. Go prepare the nation, the nations, for the glorious coming of the Messiah. And so today, I want again to step back. I want you to step back and look at the entire scenario of the earth as it is. Why the Lord has sent enormous power, enormous anointing cripples are being raised. This week, the Lord has used his service to raise seven cripples. A total of seven cripples. We have Celestina Kini in the most deplorable state of crippledness with legs like rope strength and she's now walking. They celebrated too. You have Jackson Lempiris from Transmara. Uh, Celestina Kini is in the Great Anyando. And then you have Transmara. And then many other cripples that have walked this week. Remember last week there were also seven cripples. And remember, again, by decree, seasons are changed. Heaven is commanded to open. The cloud of God comes. So why this massive anointing? If you just step back a little bit, 
and look at the scenario why the Lord has brought us back to the earth to handle this matter of revival, repentance, and restoration. I just want to begin at one place by reading the book of Isaiah chapter 53 to bring us into context where he says, Isaiah 53, I'm reading the whole chapter. He says, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. We held him to low esteem, in other words. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, in other words, laid on him. And by his wounds we are healed, in other words, he was wounded. Verse 6 of Isaiah 53 says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 7 of Isaiah 53 says, He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Verse 8 he says, By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living, For the transgression of my people, he was punished. You remember this part whereby he is being cut off from the land of the living. If you get a chance to read from Daniel chapter 9 verse 26, we read already. Where it says he will come to Jerusalem and you will be murdered, you will be killed. And when you calculate the days according to the timeline, the prophetic timeline of Daniel, it is, the, it is to the exact date, the exact date when he finally made a triumphal entry into Jerusalem, when he went to be crucified. So he said, for the transgressions of my people, he was punished. 
He was cut off from the land of the living. Verse 9 of Daniel chapter 53 says, He was assigned a grave with the wicked, with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And then he goes on to say, And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. And he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great. He's now talking about the millennial reign when he comes. And into the new Jerusalem. He says, I'll give him a portion among the great. And he will divide the spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered among the transgressors. So he's talking about transgression there, transgressing God's law, trespassing God's law. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That's why on the cross he said, that is the intercession he made. When he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. So this is the condition of Isaiah 53. And in Isaiah 53 here, you see the Lord is presenting three main actors, three main principles in this scripture that I've read full length. The first actor, the first principle in this Isaiah 53 is God the Father. God the Father and His holiness. The holiness requirements of God the Father comes out very clearly here. So God the Father comes out as one of the main principles, the main actors in the book of Isaiah chapter 53. And if you look through this chapter that I've just read very carefully again, you'll find that the other actor is Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the Redeemer. There is a Redeemer presented here as a main principle, a main actor also. That is the second actor. The third actor is the people. Now, that is mankind. And the people here is referred to, if you go through the entire scripture I've read, for example, one of them says, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. So, in reference to the third principle, he says, us, we, many. He uses we, us, many, to refer to the third actor, which is humanity, which is the people, which is now the church. So, 
generally speaking, from a panoramic view, when you look at with a bird's eye view, Isaiah 53, you will pick out three principles, three actors in this scripture. The first one and most important is God the Father, who is the main center actor. Is the central principle there. God the Father and the holiness of God. And if mankind falls to sin, God tries to bring him back to himself by a redemptive plan. A plan of redemption. And so in that plan of redemption, then it presents the second actor, who is Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the Redeemer. And then on the third one, then he refers to them as we. We esteemed him not. Us. He had no beauty to attract us to him. Many. You justify many. So that now refers to the third actor. Who is humanity? Who is you tuned in? Who is the church? So those are the three actors in this scripture. That's where I want to begin from. And when you look at those three actors in Isaiah 53, then you'll quickly realize that the overruling actor is God the Father. But as you go through the scripture of Isaiah 53 that I've read through, then you'll see something else there. You see the condition of the three actors. Apart from identifying the three actors in Isaiah 53, you are also to take, able to take a second cadre, a second level of scrutiny, and be able to see the condition of the three actors is on display. It is well illustrated in Isaiah 53, the condition of the three actors. The condition of the first principle, the first actor, God the Father, he is holy and separated from sin. That is the first condition you see there, whereby if mankind fails to sin, he is holy and separated, there must now be a bridge that must bring you back to him. So the condition of God the Father as the main principle and actor is well displayed in Isaiah 53 as he is being holy, righteous, glorious, and totally separated from sin. That comes out very clearly in Isaiah 53. And then the second condition that comes out is the condition of the Redeemer, the messenger of the covenant. Isaiah 53 is very big. It's very big in displaying and expositioning. <coughs> Excuse me. Isaiah 53 is very big in making a public display of the condition of the Messiah, the condition of the Savior. The entire scripture is essentially describing the condition of the Savior. And when you describe the condition of the Savior, right from verse 1 you see Isaiah 53. Nobody believes the message he has come with. No one has the arm of God been revealed to. He is the arm of God, but it was not revealed to them. So right from verse 1, he talks about rejection. He says, he grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground, meaning there is a drought and the soil is cracked and no plant can grow. There is desolation and destitution 
And then all of a sudden you see a very soft, tender leaf, a tender shoot coming out of the ground. So he's saying that the hostilities of the earth confronted him. So you see the condition of the Messiah right there, the condition of the Savior. In proper display, public display of the condition of the Savior. That shoot out of dry ground talks about the hostilities he faced. And he said he had no beauty to attract us to him. That is the condition of the Savior. When he comes on his redemptive mission, he is so disfigured beyond human recognition. Such that he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. The earth there, of course, is the uh, you, you have to attract us to him, we, many. That is now the third principle. But here he's very big on describing the condition of the Savior. He has been tortured. Nothing in his appearance that should, should, we should desire him. He's, the, the condition of the Savior is damaged. He is suffered. He's afflicted. He was despised. Look at that condition. He suffered rejection and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering, familiar with pain. So Isaiah 53 comes out so vividly clear with the deplorable condition, the afflicted condition of the Savior. The condition of the Savior is very clear, the second principle. We have seen that the condition of the first principle, God the Father, is that he is holy and separated from sin. And if you fall to sin as mankind, you would need a bridge, a Savior. But now to look at the condition of the Savior is unbelievable. He has been tortured. He has suffered. He says, like one from whom people hide their faces. Despised. We had no esteem for him. Took our pains, our pains, bore our suffering. Considered him punished by God, stricken by him, afflicted by God. He was pierced. So Isaiah 53 comes out very vividly clear in a public illustration of the condition of the Savior, the second principle in this scripture. He was crushed. The punishment that brought us peace is on him. He was wounded by his wounds were healed. So he's wounded. Again, still giving the narrative of the condition of the Savior. He said, we all like sheep have gone astray. And each of us, now the word we and us, that now is a reference, and our own. We, us, our, many, that now refers to the third principle. But in verse 7, he was oppressed, afflicted, the condition of the Savior. is well displayed in Isaiah 53. He was led like a lamb to slaughter. And as a sheep before us, sheer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. The condition of the Savior. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who was, who in this generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. The condition of the Savior is very big here. A public display of the condition of the Savior. Cut off from the land of the living. For our transgression, for the transgressions of my people, he was punished. Condition of the Savior punished. He was assigned a grave among the wicked, and with the rich in his death, he has died. The condition of the Savior is right there. Though he did no violence, 
no deceit found in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him and cause him to suffer. The condition of the Savior, the second principle, the second actor in this Isaiah 53. And then later it says, it says he would see his offspring and prolong his days. So he's talking about his resurrection and recompense, his reward. When heaven will now enthrone him and glorify him. Beginning all the way from when he's seated before the throne. You forget to read the book of Daniel. And then, Daniel sees him coming with a cloud and he's led before the ancient of days. All the way to when he comes back for the church in the rapture. All those are rewards. All the way to the millennial reign, when he's now having his glorious throne on this earth. That's what he's talking about here, the recompense. The condition of the Savior. Both in his suffering and in his being rewarded. In his glorification and exaltation. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Now you see he has come out. After he has suffered, you will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. So this is the condition of the Savior. Therefore, I'll give him a portion among the great. Look at the condition of the Savior now after he has accomplished the mission of redemption, redeeming man. And he will divide the spoils among the great. Look at that. The throne now on the earth is victory. He has defeated the enemies. They are under his foot. Because he poured out his life unto death, the condition of the Savior. He was numbered among the transgressions. He was numbered among the transgressions. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So this is very serious. We see that, again, there are three principles that are well illuminated, well highlighted in this scripture of Isaiah 53. The first actor here is God the Father himself. The second actor is Christ the Savior. And the third actor is now the church, is mankind, the human being. Now, apart from identifying the three principles and actors, I said, you are now able to also identify the condition of each of the three actors. And the condition of God the Father in this scripture is that he is holy and separated from sin. And anybody that wants to come to him after the fall must need a savior. So the condition, the holy condition of God the Father, glorious and righteous and separated from the decay of this world, is well illustrated in this scripture. And then the condition of the second actor, the Messiah, the Savior, is well illuminated, highlighted in this scripture. How he suffers affliction, rejected, despised, abused, wounded, everything judged, smitten, stricken, until he comes out and is rewarded. Now, the third one and most important I want to focus on today is the condition of humanity that is displayed here that is displayed, that is on display here.
Blessed people, the two mightiest, mightiest and most dreadful prophets of the Lord Yahweh are going to be back live on air. And therefore be tuned in and be on standby. Wapendo sklizaji, wakati wote, manabi wakua bwana kutisha, watarajea moja kwa moja hewani, hapa kwenye kituo cha radio cha yesu ni bwana ibabasi kuwa tayari kabisa, na kachonjo mpendo msikilizaji. Blessed people, the two mightiest, mightiest and most dreadful, most glorified prophets of Jehovah Yahweh are going to be back live on air and therefore be tuned in and be ready. the Lord, my Lord, the mightiest, mightiest prophets of the Lord. Again, blessed people, I said the most important is now the third actor. The third actor that causes all this in Isaiah 53 to happen. That is the people, the condition of the people. And you see very clearly the people there is presented as we, us, my, many. And so, in the entire of Isaiah 53, as the Lord sets out to illustrate the condition of the Savior, then you see very clearly that in the parallel, everything is saying about the condition of the Savior is actually a portrayal, a reflection of the condition of mankind. So what comes out very powerfully there is that the Messiah is sinless. And when he comes, then he suffers all these afflictions because of the condition of mankind. So whatever is described about the Messiah actually pertains to the people. Because he says they have turned away, they have gone astray, they are in rebellion, they are transgressors, they have gone into transgressions, they have committed iniquity, they have trespassed God's exacting law, they are sinful. And because of that, they are diseased, they have physical ailments, they have grief, they have death. 
They suffer sorrow. They are afflicted. They are suffering. They are diseased. All these things came out of sin. The condition of the people in this tremendous prophecy of Isaiah. And that is very key that you may understand why the Lord sent us to call the nations to repentance. Because if we have a chance and expound this reading to Isaiah chapter 1, in Isaiah chapter 1 it says the following. Isaiah chapter 1, from verse 2 it says, Hear me, you heavens, listen us. The Lord is calling heaven and us to be witnesses when mankind falls. And he says, For the Lord has spoken. I read children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. So the Lord says that part of the condition of mankind is rebellion. Part of the condition of mankind you see on display in Isaiah 53 is the rebellion of humanity, the human condition, rebellion of mankind. And he says, verse 3, the ox knows its master, the donkey is owner's manger. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. He's saying, they have rebelled against God. I'm simply expounding for you what the Lord is exhibiting in Isaiah 53 that you may understand the condition, the fallen condition of man that has infiltrated the church today. The reason the Lord set us with enormous power to call the nations to repentance, otherwise he would judge them. The condition of mankind, you see exposition there and here, is rebellion. They have forsaken the Lord. And yet the ox and the donkey, they know that they have owners. They have to be accountable to them. Verse 4, it says, What to the sinful nation, a people whose guilt is great, so they are sinful and they have accumulated guilt unto themselves. That is the deplorable condition of mankind being displayed when you look at the third principle, the third actor in Isaiah, Isaiah 53. So the condition presented there is gone astray rebellion, transgression, trespassing God's law, committed iniquity, sinful. Turned away from God, gone astray, rebellious, transgressors, committed iniquity, trespass God's law. They are sinful. And as a consequence, as a result, if I read Isaiah 53 verse 4, as a result, Isaiah chapter 53 verse 4 says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. So you can see that they have accumulated grief and sorrows owing to sin. They have grief. They have sorrows. They are diseased, they are afflicted because of rebellion and iniquity that leads to suffering. That is the message the Lord presents in that scripture. 
that turning away from God, going astray from the way he has charted for us, being rebellious against him, committing transgressions openly, committing iniquity openly, trespassing God's exacting law, being openly and, and, and unrepentantly sinful, he says they have consequences. They are responsible for the human condition you see today. So then Isaiah 53 also comes out now, really, to present the condition of the third actor, the human condition, the fall. In other words, the Lord is saying, you all have to be sensitive to sin. And in this scripture, he's coming out clearly that sensitivity to sin is actually a blessing. It's a gift from the Lord. In Genesis chapter 2, 7, you saw very clearly, he breathed his life. God breathed his life into mankind. That is what caused mankind at creation to be conscious, to have consciousness to sin, to have a conscience towards sin. It was inserted in him. So everybody ought to know what is sin and avoid it. Genesis chapter 3, I mean chapter 2, verse 7. At creation, the Lord inserted that sensitivity to sin. Your conscience. And he says in Isaiah 53, regardless of that, they violated God's law and abused God's honor and disrespected the glory of the Lord. They breached, mankind breached his command, and they committed sin and ran into revolt and rebellion. This is serious. So this is the condition of man that over time has escalated and entered the church. Why the Lord brought us to speak to the unborn again world and the born again world. That the Messiah is coming. Now they have to change their ways. And we remember too well the vision of the blood of Jesus that the Lord showed me, which I shared with you during the lockdown. And in that vision, the Lord comes up very clearly that despite the people being transgressors, sinners, rebellious, and in revolt, God sets out to look for his children, as you see in Isaiah chapter 1, we have just read. He says, I read children, but they went away. So he begins a journey to go look for his children. You see that in Genesis 3, 8, 9 also. Adam, where are you? God sets out to look for his children. So in the vision of the blood of Jesus that I shared with you during the lockdown, that vision is well embedded and well revealed in Isaiah 53. It's all about the blood of Jesus for redemption. So the Lord is saying, excuse me. So the Lord is essentially saying, Again, the Lord is essentially saying 
that God Almighty, in pursuing his fallen children, he has chosen to save the world using the Messiah who would suffer for the sins of all the people. That is what you see in Isaiah 53. In choosing to look for his fallen children, his lost children, those who have gone astray, those who have grief, sorrow, suffering. This is the condition displayed there about the third actor, the people. And it says sin and rebellion is what causes that. When you sin and rebel against God, you will be filled with sorrow and grief and suffering. But God in his mission now to redeem his children, he chooses to save the world using a glorious lamb, the Messiah that would come and suffer for the sins of the people. Isn't that amazing that he didn't choose a military leader to come with armored personnel carriers and tanks and guns and crush the enemy? So it is this kind of prophecy that is also now responsible, this kind of avenue you chose, that is responsible for the hidden treasures of God that sometimes the world cannot see. Why? Because that kind of prophecy, that kind of way of redemption is very unconventional according to this world. Very shocking to the people of this world. Very different from the ways of this world. So sometimes it was very difficult for, for people to engage in, uh, in imagining that coming, a lamb coming and suffering, a humble servant, abused, a suffering servant, would actually be the one that defeats the devil. But that, that is also responsible for the detraction, the, the inertia to change sometimes. Because they are, they are their version, their own version of the Savior, the Redeemer. In other words, they're saying it's far from their expectation. They expected a military ruler, a powerful king from David to come and crush. Crush the enemy. And so, God's ways are totally different and they confound the pride of man. The pride of this world. Why? Because the Messiah's strength that you see displayed in Isaiah 53 until he comes out and he shares the, the portion, the spoils with the great, when now he's victorious in the millennial reign, in the new Jerusalem, that is in Isaiah 53. That strength and triumph of the Messiah, the Lord displays it in Isaiah 53 in the following, in the humility of the Messiah, in the obedience, in the suffering, in the mercy, in the sacrifice, that is totally different from the ways of man. And so the Lord in Isaiah 53, the Lord is encouraging the earth, this generation, to embrace the humility of the Christ, the obedience of the Christ even unto death, the suffering of the Christ even unto death, and the sacrificial living. The Lord is saying the Messiah is coming. The rapture is near. He promised in the prophecy of Daniel, Daniel's 490 years, the 490-year plan of God, 
He promised to finish transgression by God putting an end to Israel's rebellion against sin. So you can see the dichotomy of this mission, that we are now on you, the mission to you, but Israel is waiting also. And that's why the exuding of enormous power and anointing is meant to bring you back from that turning away from God, that going astray from the Lord, that rebellion, transgression, the committing of iniquity uncontrolled, trespassing God's law, sinfulness. The Lord has sent us with this tremendous mission with a mega massive anointing that we may pull the church, pull mankind from this and return them to Jesus. That when they see the evidence of the power commanding heaven to open, calling God the Father, he comes in his cloud, raising cripples left and right from Nairobi by decree, that that may astound you. And once you are astounded, you may now realize this is God. This must be God and come to the Lord and repent. Even the posted church, all this is meant to highlight to you the messenger promised in the Bible has arrived. That you may come and receive the instruction, be holy and righteous, and wait for the coming of the Messiah. That you may finally enter the glorious kingdom of God. Thank you so much, Senior Margaret, for giving me a chance this morning. The king is coming. Let us all be ready. Those who want to receive the Lord, repeat after me. Say, mighty Lord Jesus, I repent on this day, and I turn away from all sin. And I receive my Lord Jesus into my heart as my Lord and my Savior. I ask you, my Lord Jesus, to establish righteousness in my heart and order my steps that I may have zero tolerance to sin. I want to honor you all the days of my life, Jesus. And I surrender my life totally and my heart totally to you today. In the mighty name of Jesus, I'm born again. Amen. If you have said that prayer, I congratulate you. Make sure you're baptized. There's a big revival going on right now in the church. Those who have subscribed to this voice of God globally. Our team just came back from New Zealand. New Zealand is preparing in a very massive way. They have seen the wonders happening this side. They are so hungry. They are saying, when will the servants of God run and come here to us also? And this week, this weekend, we have a very big meeting, the Western Conference. The Western Conference is about to take place in Kakamega, where very senior clergy, senior deputy archbishops, senior, senior deputy archbishops, the senior presiding bishops, senior regional overseers, senior pastors, there's a big Western Conference going to take place this weekend in Kakamega. Thousands upon thousands of pastors and bishops and overseers are going to gather there. And it's the right reverend, the honorable, the senior archbishop himself, together with a big team, including the general overseer, the right reverend Amos Wandera, will be presiding over that meeting. Senior clergy like Westing Erechi, the right reverend Westling Arechi will be on his way there also, and many from Nairobi. So there is the Western Conference this week. There's a big revival. And I've also received the report from the Repentance and Holiness Fellowship of uh, Watingishu out there very early in the morning. They are leading people of the Lord. They are reading the Bible to them very mighty, even in the evening. 
There's a big revival going on. The Messiah is coming. Thank you.